and welcome to the Improv Teachers Director's Edition. I am your host, Lauren Morris. In this version of Improv Teachers, we take a look at the artistic direction of improv. It's a side project since I love teaching improv, but I also happen to be an artistic director. And I think that it is helpful for us to dive into what the world of artistic directors are looking for. So every week or every couple of weeks, I will take a look at our shows and line up at AdLib Theater and give you what uh, I think worked, what didn't work, what our formats were, and hopefully some tools to help you become a better improviser, director, producer, or just general human. Thank you for listening. And here we go. This is Improv Teachers Director's Edition. Hi, and welcome to 2019. Really excited to get this year started off. I have some great guests lined up that will be a lot of fun. It'll be leading up to the Improv Festival, the Central Florida Improv Festival, which runs March 8th and 9th, 2019. And for today, I figured I would talk about auditions. The plan is for today. So again, as always, I appreciate you guys so much and thank you for listening. So here we go. Let's talk. All right, so we decided to do auditions, but these weren't open call auditions. We aren't there yet. We're still really small. Something that I've been working really hard on is getting rid of some of the barriers I see in improv. However, there are also reasons why I have to keep, I guess, some of those barriers, i.e. auditions in place because we are a professional theater. Except for the very big theaters, small theaters have a lot of things going on and usually it's one or two people who are keeping those plates spinning and they're not necessarily trying to create barriers it's just sometimes you have to so in our case we have a great thriving independent scene however the independent scene is still pretty young and a lot of the performers have only trained at one place or maybe uh, one or two places, but their style and their training is so fundamentally different than what we do at AdLib that open call auditions is just something I cannot do at this time. I would like to do it at this time. I would like to do it one day, but we're just not there yet. So for now, we still need people who have gone through our program to be the people who are auditioning for our teams that fall under the AdLib umbrella. What we have done is provided a um, two nights a month where you don't have to be under the ad lib umbrella and you can form any team you want and per, and and get on stage and, and you know cut your teeth that way we also um one of the things that i'm very adamant about is that our coaches are professionals we train them i train them i require them to have train the trainer i require them to have so many personal development hours and uh ad lib also is the one who pays them it's not the performers pain and the performers also aren't required to find space or pay for that space. So these are all these things that I work really hard at putting in place to make us a successful and inclusive theater. We also have gotten rid of our leveled curriculum so that that also opens it up to um, more opportunities for people to audition under the umbrella. Some people don't ever want to be associated with a theater. There is Whenever you are associated with a theater, there's going to become there's going to be more expectations uh, that are required, and some people just don't want to meet those, and that's totally fine. As someone who likes to break the rules quite often, I get that 100%. But also, am someone who's overhead, who is uh, presenting a professional theater and is charging patrons, so I do have to have expectations. 
That's why we did auditions. You also might uh, hear my kids in the background. I'm not in a um, in my normal spot recording today, so we'll see what fun that brings all of us. Um, one of the things I do like about auditions is that it's a hoop and I'm not trying to create a barrier. What I'm trying to see is people who are committed to their craft, right? If you cannot get yourself together to show up for an audition, how do you get yourself together for a rehearsal? Uh, if it's important to you, you will find a way to be there. Um, the, now that being said, there are barriers to getting to auditions. So if, you know, things you might have to think about are like transportation to auditions. It, it all depends on your community and your, um, and your needs. And so I, one of the things that artistic directors, I think need to think about are things like uh, transportation issues, time of day. Um, do I need to have more than one audition? Do we have the manpower or person power for that? Uh, so those kind of things in our case, uh, we held it on the same night that rehearsals are held for our performers. So that's already in their schedule. We, um, and we are small enough that I didn't have to do an open call and then callbacks. Like I said, this was an audition for a group of people who, uh, part were already under the performance umbrella and part were coming out of our, uh, what was then a level five because that was our last level program. So what we were doing was taking all these players, combining them and figuring out the best uh, mix of players for teams. So we had um, two places we were going to audition for. And one is called, uh, and, and that was the other thing, is part of some of the changes we've made uh, of lately is is what how we're delineating um, different uh aspects or silos of our theater. So we have a house team in place. That house team, we only have one house team currently. And the way we define house team, they have some specific expectations and obligations to the theater that they are okay with because that team is the is my team. So everybody on my team is considered a house team member. Everybody who is a house team member currently also has to be a teacher in some capacity or coach for the theater. And so that's why we have some different expectations and obligations on my team. And then we, we, so we created the Resco or resident company players or team. And then we um, created the resident ensemble players or performers. And that is what we were running these auditions for. I keep using the word expectation a lot because I think it's very important. If you tell everybody expectations up front, there's this container of safety, right? So people can feel free to move around, but knowing that there are boundaries to where we move so that if, if and when, because it will happen at some point, um, boundaries are crossed, it is not coming when you have to have that tough conversation or that critical conversation or uh, just those hard, emotionally charged conversations, you actually don't have to be emotionally charged. You are like, here's these expectations and here's how you were informed of them, right? So that is something that when it comes to auditions, even with the very first time I threw out auditions uh, five or so years ago for AdLib, when we were first creating AdLib, when I was, that's also something I'm working on for 2019, it's not the word we, but I, because I'm the one doing it, um, is that there are clear expectations from the top. So how... So what are some ways you can do that? Great. 
Make sure you put it in writing. Make sure it's clear. It's not a lot of words. And it's easy accept, easily accessible. So we internally use Slack. So I pinned it to all the Slack channels that we use. We, um, I have obviously everybody's email. So I emailed that. And then if they wanted a hard copy that was available. The other thing I did was stop by each of the rehearsals before auditions to verbally give them the rundown of expectations and answer any questions. Then at the top of auditions, once again, the expectations of what it is to be cast. Um, and from there, this way, they are getting it coming across in all different ways so that at no time, or if at some time someone's like, oh, I didn't know, yes, you did. Now, why the two teams? Because of the market we're in. We're in a market where some people love improv. It's truly a hobby for them. They know that this is something they enjoy doing and they enjoy being part of a community and they want to have a place to call home. They just don't want to it to be home, right? Like they can't, or their job is really crazy and intense and maybe they have to travel. So they can't make a commitment of, I will be there X amount of times, X amount of days, et cetera, et cetera. This way we have a place for performers who get to be part of a community, get all the benefits of being a performer and also get the flexibility that they need. There's also performers who are not ready just yet for the specific show we were casting for, which is our Saturday night show. They might be ready. Uh, they're ready to be on stage and they're ready to, and, and they're good improvisers um, and they're great people. But our Saturday show is marketed and branded in such a way that, that just their style of play doesn't mix with that. It's not... That's the piece of someone who has both been cast and has cast. I can tell you that's that can be hard on the flip side, right? So if you say you want to be on the cast, that's a Saturday night show. And the people casting are like, no, it feels very personal. And it feels sometimes, I think, in my opinion, it feels harder than getting no, saying no from a, a scripted call um, because improv is personal, right? right? As a performer, I'm not just a performer. I'm a writer, an editor, a member of something that's bigger than I am. Um, I'm a set dresser, right? All of these things that we do in improv, because we're doing it on the fly, can make uh, not getting onto a team feel much more personal. As someone who casts, I can tell you that I'm looking for specific things. And just because I didn't cast you, it's not because I don't like you. And uh, empathy to me is the biggest takeaway from that. If you're gonna run an audition anytime soon, please have empathy for the actors that are coming and being brave and putting themselves out there. A couple of other tips I would give you if you're going to run an audition is be prepared I know it's improv, but be prepared of how the audition is going to go and share that with the people auditioning. I shared an agenda of what we were doing. I also share what we're looking for. Improv can be very subjective. I get it. I understand it. 
there's, but if you are putting together a group, a show you're going to produce where you charge money or a show for a theater, you've got a mission statement. And if you don't have a mission statement or a vision, please sit down and do that. What, if you need to do that with your group, please go ahead and do that. If you as a theater or if you're creating your own theater this year, which by the way, awesome, um, make sure you have a mission statement so that when you do things like cast shows, you know what you're looking for. Uh, we just need another lady is not really something that is good enough. Um, we are subjective enough. There are objective metrics we can use in our case. Uh, and again, I share these objective metrics with the people who are auditioning. Objective metrics. Oh, great, Lauren. What are you talking about? Things I can physically see and I can tick in a box. For example, did a person initiate a scene? So if I'm running a 10-minute montage set, in this set, did a person initiate a scene? Adapting under pressure, saying yes, uh, you know, using some of the tools that uh, is unique to our, our brand and our style. Um, and I have those defined for our players. You know, did the person um, scene paint? Did the person use their environment? Did they make you statements? So there are literally behaviors we are looking for when we're doing these auditions. The other thing I did, because I can't catch everything, is I asked other people to come in and sit on this audition. And those people have to be on my team. So it's not like random people from who don't know. And again, I let the people auditioning know. What a terrible way to start an audition, to walk in and all of a sudden see a panel of five people you weren't expecting. And that will put you in just a mindset that is uh, not good for anybody. Improv auditions are also weird. We're asking you to show us your best stuff. And one of those things includes a lot of times making your partner look really good, treating them like a, a rock star, but also you're directly competing against this person because there's only X amount of spots on your team. It's, it's a very weird dynamic. I don't love it for that, but it's also the fairest way that I have come up with to cast what and meet our needs currently at the theater. Run your auditions on time and run them in the time that you said you would run them. Going over, being late, all of that is just really unprofessional. And if I'm a person who's auditioning, those are a bunch of red flags. So be prepared, make a list, know what you're going to say. You can, these are, this is one of the few times in improv where you can rehearse your curtain speech, if you will, or your top of the audition speech. Please be prepared when you're running auditions. Okay, great. So we had auditions. Um, like I said, they're always weird for me. And it's always, it's also really just um, heartfelt and heartwarming because of how much blood, sweat, and tears goes into and what has gone into making ad-lib what it is. And to watch people be excited about that, um, especially after the, la the last quarter of 2018 just being a bit difficult both professionally and personally, was um, was much needed and with so much gratitude. And the players, I can never even express to the players the gratefulness that I have. 
so shout out to any of those players and performers who are listening right now. So then what do you do? You have to have an honest discussion with whoever is helping you cast, right? And um, and and that's what you do when you take a look at your data. I didn't collect data just so I was like, hey, look, we're fair. No, I literally looked at the data. Please look at your data because it, it will tell you a lot of things. Um, and then you let people know in a timely manner. Don't say we'll be in contact. We'll be in contact in two weeks. We'll be in contact by the end of this time, this day. And do that. Keep to that timeline. If you're going to expect people to be cast, uh, if one of your expectations is for them to show up to rehearsals on time, then you better meet your own deadlines. When you know you're going to be informing people is you might get people hitting you back saying, hey, um, thanks for letting me know. Is, you know, if I wasn't cast, is there something I should be working on? What I did based on rehearse, um, based on auditions was for each person who auditioned, I wrote down something they're doing well and something that I think needs strengthening. And I'm not using the word bad because no one does anything bad. There's this opportunity to grow and develop in this one area, right? So that way I'm prepared when and if that question comes and I'm not just like, oh God, this person's bothering me and they want an answer and I don't have an answer. Now I got to think about it. And those rehearsals were two weeks ago and God, I don't know. Do it right after the rehearsals or within 24 hours when your mind is fresh. And this way, it's not it's not an extra thing you do. And frankly, a part of your job as artistic director is to answer those questions because people are going to want to know. And things like, you just didn't fit what we needed at this time, don't make anybody feel good. They really don't. Um, you can be candid, you can be honest, and you can still be empathetic. Uh, so, hey... This round of auditions, we decided not to cast you. Please keep in mind, it's nothing personal. Here is something that I saw that I think could you, you could work on if, you, um, if you're looking to audition in the future. It's pretty simple, pretty to the point. I think people appreciate directness. The other thing I did was make sure I also had something that the people who did get cast is doing well and something I'd like to see them develop. Just because you got cast on the one show you wanted to get cast on doesn't mean you're done learning. It doesn't mean you've hit the top. It doesn't mean you've made it. And it definitely doesn't mean you're staying there forever. Uh, unless you're casting a team where there literally is never going to be any changes. And if you're living in that world, wow, I'm kind of jealous. Or maybe not. I don't know. I like change. Uh, anyways. So we had our, so once we did our casting, um, I had a first team meeting to, uh, with the res, with the resco team. So in this case, the resco team was going to be our Saturday night. My goal and my hope is to have other resco teams in place that fulfill other evenings or fulfill other types of formats. For example, a movie team, uh, this team, particularly right now, will be doing a slacker. Because I know the format, again, if you're auditioning, if you're holding auditions, you should know the format and type of show you're doing. Slacker requires skill sets that, I, I, in, my, in my opinion, Slacker requires a set of, set of skills to make it what, um, what I feel is a successful Slacker under the ad lib theater umbrella, meeting the vision and uh, brand of what we say it is. And of course, that's going to be different for everybody because everyone has their own take on formats. It will be the same when I go for improvised movie. I will have a look and feel that I'm looking for. And um, 
And so in this case, it's a Saturday night Resco team. And we had our first team meeting before we went on our winter holiday break. And in that time, I also went ahead and came up with um, a challenge for each of them of things we'd like to see them working on while they're also working toward being this new team and this new cast for this show. Again, a growth mindset is essential in improv. One of the things I always say is if I feel like I'm done growing and I'm done learning in improv, then it's time for me to step away from improv because improv like life is always opportunity to grow. And the other thing is a growth mindset helps take away some of the weight we put on our shoulders of like, Oh my God, I just got onto this team. So I have to do really well all the time. And I have to hit these uh, standards all the time. And the truth is it's improv. You're not going to do that. So instead it's like, Hey, we have this growth mindset. We have some challenges we'd like for you to work on. Now we can be working toward those also with this way when things don't work out so well uh, at, at a show. When our coaches give you guys notes, we can give you specific and direct notes to feed forward. Um, I think that's something I might talk about on another podcast is this whole concept of feeding forward actually falls under teaching, but I don't know that people just want to listen to me talking about teaching versus me um, having a conversation with another teacher, which is also something I enjoy doing because uh while I've gotten great feedback, and I appreciate that, everyone, I really do, listening to my own voice uh, tends to bore me. <laughs> so um, it's, it's more fun when I have someone who's just an engaged, is excited about teaching and, and taking deep dives into the world of feed forward and, and, um, and triggers and feedback and, and those kind of things. In fact, that's probably where my next workshop will come from because I'm, ha I'm in love with it so much. Anyways, that was a complete sidetrack. The point being that a growth mindset on a team will help this team grow faster, stay together longer, and um, and also just brings uh, each individual performer something to strive for since they've hit this big goal for themselves. We need goals to keep ourselves committed and focused and dedicated. We will at some point hit the dip, uh, as Seth Godin from his amazing book, The Dip, talks about, and I encourage all of my performers to read that book. And I would say that all to you too. Uh, read the book, The Dip by Seth Godin. These individual challenges helps us move through those dips when they do occur. Great. So now what? Awesome. Teams are cast. We're going to, it's, it's January. We're going to get back up and running and open. So we're going to head back into rehearsals. We're going to run our rehearsals and start our shows and we'll start working on all those great things. And I'll be able to check in with you guys from time to time on uh, things we're learning so that we can help uh, you learn. So uh, auditions, some takeaway key points, be prepared. You as a person running auditions need to be prepared. Prepare the people who are auditioning. Prepare them by letting them know the expectations up front and by communicating that in a variety of ways uh, across social media platforms, using uh, programs like Slack, email, and verbally uh, or face-to-face. -face, and of course, uh, allowing yourself to be available for questions at any time. Meet the deadlines 
that you've also set. If you are expecting people to be on time, you yourself need to be on time. That means starting on time, ending when you say you're going to end, and letting people know a yay or nay in the time frame you set. And finally, be prepared to answer what should I be working on. And uh, think of a challenge. It can be just as simple as, hey, I noticed that you tend to hang back and something I think you should work on is editing often and tagging in often and making yourself more known on stage. It can be just that simple. It doesn't have to be a long paragraph. And finally, lead and run auditions with empathy. People auditioning for improv are some of the bravest human beings on this planet. Thanks again. Uh, let's see, adlibcomedy.com, laurenhas3.com, Facebook is the Improv Teachers. Thanks so much for listening, and I will see you soon on the Improv Teachers, the Director's Edition. Mm-hmm.